You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Since March of this year, we've been publishing new episodes of Talking Taiwan on a weekly basis. So for our last episode of 2020, we thought it would be fun to look back and see which were the top five episodes of the year. We have some new things in the works for 2021, namely a new feature called Talking Taiwan Shorts. We will be creating 100 short one-minute videos for our YouTube channel. Check out Talking Taiwan's YouTube channel or go to our website TalkingTaiwan.com and look for Talking Taiwan Shorts. We start off with number five on our list of top Talking Taiwan episodes of 2020, episode 68, Ebola Outbreak, with Dr. Wilson Wong, who talks about how he had to quickly become an expert on Ebola during the height of the deadly pandemic. So I worked hard to learn, learn from the CDC. I went mm -hmm. to Alabama and mm -hmm. I learned uh, from a course on first responders what to expect, how the virus works, essentially how to protect uh, myself, my staff, mm -hmm. in terms of using personal protective gear. Right. I talked to people in the IRC, our emergency response team. Mm -hmm. They were on the ground very right. quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, they advertised within 72 hours. Right. They weren't necessarily setting up a hospital, but they were setting up the conditions that mm -hmm. allowed for a hospital to be, to be set up. And mm -hmm. so I learned from the people on the ground uh, the numbers, right. uh, what this was looking like on the street, what were the realities. And then after learning, again, it's not that difficult. You need to, when you create a healthcare response, you need staff, right. you need medicines, mm -hmm. you need equipment, mm -hmm. you need a structure, mm -hmm. you need water and sanitation, mm -hmm. you need food. Um, so we just sort of went down the checklist. One thing that was really great about me having worked for the IRC before mm -hmm. is that I knew a lot of, I not only knew the context, but mm -hmm. I knew a lot of great individuals that I knew could serve in the roles necessary for a well-functioning Ebola treatment unit. For example, the head of our uh, Ebola treatment unit in Monrovia, his name is Jude Sinkungu. And he was my wonderful uh, medical director mm -hmm. at Redemption Hospital, the famous Redemption Hospital in Monrovia. Mm -hmm. And I knew that he was home. Yeah. He was home instantly because he was his roommate died of Ebola. Mm -hmm. And he had to uh, not only be quarantined, but then oh, wow. because he has family in Uganda, oh, wow. he went home essentially both to mourn and to rest. Mm -hmm. Well, I gave him a call. The same thing for the medical director. Next is number four on our list of our top Talking Taiwan episodes of 2020. In episode 88, Being Black in Taiwan and Racism in the United States, we hear from Elizabeth and Alyssa, two black women from the States, who talk about their experience living in Taiwan and the racism they encountered in Taiwan and how it was different from what they experienced in the U.S. Actually, Alyssa was with me. We were walking home from a club. And there were, Alyssa and I were only two black, black friends in our group, and we had a lot of white guy friends and friends from other countries. And we had a super international group of friends. And we're walking down the street. It was late at night. We're coming from a club, and this group of Taiwanese people saw me, and one of them was drunk, and he pointed, and he started saying, Olang, Olang, Olang. So <laughs> I didn't know any Taiwanese words at that time. For some reason, maybe because I had been drinking, I thought that he was speaking Spanish. So I said, hola, como estas? Then his friends 
jumped around and they were saying, oh, you know, he didn't mean anything by it. They realized I didn't understand what he was saying. Then I was like, oh, he's referring to me as a black person. And he started, and he was laughing when he said, olang, olang. So then it became a little bit tense. Um, so yeah, that was my kind of most tense <laughs> um, story with, with racism. But even then, like I still never felt like it came from a place of hatred, more of curiosity or ignorance, anything that I heard that was negative. I mean, I definitely knew that black teachers had a hard time in Taiwan because they, you know, Taiwanese families prefer to have white teachers, even if the teachers are not native English speakers sometimes. Um, but yeah, my, I, I tried to use any experience I had to educate people if they were directly talking to me. Um, but I never took it personally like they hate me because I'm black, which is something that, I, that happens here in America. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Alyssa, I know you have a lot to say on this. <laughs> Oh, um, I, I would definitely have to uh, mimic Liz in saying yeah, that it is necessary to define what is racism in Taiwan, because I think it, it definitely is very different from when we say someone is being racist in the U.S. Some of the statements, comments, actions that happen to me in Taiwan, in the U.S., they will be racist. In Taiwan, someone was simply ignorant of the fact, and they did, culturally they didn't understand that walking up to me and pulling my hair going, oh my God, Jinda, like really? Like, is this real hair? That this, I need a tofa, Jinda, like it, that them saying, is your hair real? And actually not even under, knowing that I understood what they were saying, that this was simply a curiosity versus if a non-black person in the U.S. walk up to me and grab my hair, we have a whole situation to deal with. Number three of our top Talking Taiwan episodes of 2020 is episode 89, Quarantine in Taiwan. Here, Diana Lee and J.D. Chang each speak separately about their own distinct experiences going through the strict procedures of Taiwan's COVID-19 quarantine when entering the country after landing at the airport. Once we landed in Taiwan, they have all the information ready and they text me on my phone because I, I have a Taiwan phone. They text me right away to confirm if those information is exactly correct. Mm -hmm. Then I enter my passport number, so I receive a barcode. So the barcode is served as a confirmation for me to exit at the airport. As you just heard Diana say, one of the most important things about this whole procedure is to have a Taiwan cell phone and number. But what happens if you don't? Back to JD. So get on the plane. Plane was fine. Um, every, you know, people are wearing masks. Everybody's wearing masks. Some people are wearing ponchos, etc. It was fine. Uh, they give you your meals in a sack now, plastic sack. No more trays. So it's like plastic goodie sack full of bread and drink. Uh, get off the plane. And you go in through immigration. And this is where, this is the one thing that I did not do correctly. Uh, but when you enter, I mentioned that form that you have to fill out going into Taiwan. They ask you for a Taiwanese phone number. Uh, and then they tell you in advance. They, they say, when you land, you're going to be texted a mobile certification code uh, to that phone number. I have a U.S. phone that is not unlocked yet. So I, it was dumb. So this is the one thing that I would caution. I did not have a Taiwan phone with me. So what I did was I got my mom's uh, SIM card, Taiwanese SIM card, and I was thinking when I land, I could either put it in my phone, which did not work, 
uh, or go get like a Taiwanese phone from one of the vendors, right? And I actually asked the hotel, I was like, can I, uh, how do I get a phone? Then uh, you can get it at the hotel. I land and uh, everybody is going through immigration. The people that had done this prepped already flew through. So they opened up their phone, got the text, pressed the button, approved it, and then, and then off they were into customs, right? I was not. Like, I was like, oh, F, like, my SIM card doesn't work, etc. That cost me like an hour, hour and a half, because I, I couldn't go and get a phone. We're getting closer to the number one Talking Taiwan episode of 2020. Back in May, I had a fun and spirited conversation with comedian Christina Wong and filmmaker Valerie So, which would become our number two top Talking Taiwan episode of 2020, episode 75, Anti-Sewing Squad Combats COVID-19 One Mask at a Time. Christina, who still leads this amazing group of volunteers who have sewn and distributed hundreds of thousands of masks, talked about why she jokes that running the anti-sewing squad is akin to being a sweatshop overlord. By the way, we invited Christina and Valerie back to give us an update on what the anti-sewing squad has accomplished in episode 107, and the list is impressive. I actually didn't wear a mask in February because I was trying to protect myself. Not from the virus, but from being a target of harassment and assault. You know, see, it doesn't matter if I'm third generation Chinese American. It doesn't matter that this virus was caused by a bat and doesn't have a nationality. This is a mask that I cannot take off. It already tells people that maybe I'm an immigrant, that maybe I don't speak English, that maybe I'm just visiting from this monolith that is Asia, that maybe I'm the one who just got off the airplane and brought the virus here as my deep conspiracy to bring this virus here. And it's being performed on Zoom and it's sort of like a real life diary um, enacted in my bedroom um, of, of what the last few weeks have been like to go from basically making a few masks to like trying to figure out how to send a, a caravan of, of fabric to the Navajo Nation and, other, and, and get things across the border to migrants stuck at the border. So um, can talk more about that, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Who, who I am, who I was, I have no idea, but this is what I know <laughs> I'm doing right now, running a sweatshop, and Valerie, award-winning filmmaker who's in it. What came up, Valerie actually brought it up, and Valerie won't say who, but made it into my show, but like, I guess someone had an issue with the casual use of the word sweatshop that was thrown around. <laughs> I call it a sweatshop because I'm exhausted um, at least the, the, the way I'm experiencing the workload from this point of view is like the first few weeks, it was like 80 hours a week, could wow. barely sleep, constantly wow. running in and out of my house with yep. fistfuls of elastic, right. <laughs> exhausted, hungry, you know, um, and this, none of this is necessary. Like I should not be looking at my, wondering what I should sacrifice so the <laughs> nurse doesn't die, you know? Oh my, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, someone had an issue with that and this discussion came up and some folks were like, we're not into that term because if they felt like it diminishes the real experiences of, of sweatshop workers, both in America and overseas. Um, and, and that unlike them, we have the choice to pee. We have the privilege of this time to do this. Uh, but for me, I feel like I use this term because I don't want to romanticize this as volunteer work. Like, I don't like, well, we just, we just do this. Like this, this situation is so crazy 
that we've been put on, and it's criminal neglect on the part of the federal government. And, uh, and this, this, this level of like, we're, if we are this prosperous nation, why, why are we doing this? <laughs> why don't we have access to these basic things? Why five weeks later are the factories not so ever, like, why are they all back ordered? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it actually so, is a matter of, it's a matter of life and death. Okay, now it's that time. We've reached our number one Talking Taiwan episode of 2020. Drum roll, please. Our number one Talking Taiwan episode of 2020 is episode 97, Understanding the History of Taiwan through Dr. Jerome Keating. It's no wonder that this is the highest downloaded episode. Within this short segment, Dr. Keating, who has published several books on Taiwan, gave us an in-depth history lesson about Taiwan and explained how, to this day, Taiwan is still not recognized by the U.S. as its own nation. I've always been interested in the struggle of a people for democracy, to have their own self-expression, to express their own identity, and Taiwan's story is definitely that, and it's a long struggle when you look at it. The fact that the people had to overcome their different separate factions. When you look at Taiwan's history, I kind of would divide pre-1945, or let's go back to 1895 when the Japanese came in. Mm -hmm. And there were four basic groups here. There were two Hoklo groups, which were came from Fujian province, and then there were the Hakka, and then there were the indigenous people. And all these four groups were traditionally competing with each other for land and different things. They also trade and sometimes intermarried, but they often fought with each other, and it was only when Japan came in 1895 and I'll make the point that you know Japan was the first nation to control the whole island of Taiwan. All the previous colonial past had been small sections on the west coast, but Japan controlled it, and the four groups then began to realize, you know, hey, we've got a common enemy. You know, we. Mm-hmm we better unite if we're going to survive. Because the Qing had been usually able to play one group against the other when there was a rebellion. Mm-hmm. But the Japanese just took over the whole place. So they didn't need, in a way, one group against the other. I mean, though they did use it sometimes in the past with uh, sympathizers. And then, of course, the irony after World War II, when Japan of which Taiwan was their model colony, gives up Taiwan in the San Francisco Peace Treaty, but the treaty never says who Japan gives it to, and it has been in that limbo ever since. Even the U.S., and I get to this in later writings, we are 75 years after the end of World War I, And the U.S. official position on Taiwan is still, it is undecided. uh, uh, 75 years, that's a long, long time. 
In 2021, we will be starting a new feature called Talking Taiwan Shorts. We will be creating 100 short one-minute videos for our YouTube channel, highlighting a great segment from one of our podcast episodes. Be sure to check out Talking Taiwan's YouTube channel or go to our website Talking Taiwan and look for Talking Taiwan Shorts. I've really enjoyed hearing from listeners who've reached out to tell me how much they've enjoyed listening to Talking Taiwan. Thanks for all the positive feedback. We look forward to continuing to deliver new episodes about interesting people and stories connected to Taiwan. For links to the top five episodes of 2020, visit our website TalkingTaiwan.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to tell a friend about Talking Taiwan or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Wishing you a wonderful rest of 2020. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.